When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome back in to the Coach Steve Show. The Illinois Final Illini suffer their first loss since way back when they played Virginia, when they were on their six-game win streak. They lost to Michigan State this Saturday, 23-15. to It was a tough loss for Illinois. It was a tough loss for the fan base, tough loss for those players and staff. We're going to talk about the loss today, what it means, what it means moving forward. What does the picture look like for the Illini since they are still in contention for the Big Ten championship game. Is that window fully closed? It's still open. We're going to talk about all that. And some of you Illini fans, we have to have a TED Talk one-on-one conversation with you guys. But Illinois suffered a 23-15 loss versus Michigan State. The big story coming into the game, there was two. Illinois having the number one scoring defense and playing for First place in the Big Ten West, playing for a chance to go to the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. They were playing for all of that. 
and Michigan State having to suspend eight players. I believe four or five were starters. The others were contributors of rotating in guys, and Michigan State had to suspend them due to their fight in the tunnel versus Michigan last week when they lost to Michigan in Ann Arbor. So it was just set up for Illinois to come in. Big-time crowd. It was Father's Day or Father's Weekend, which one's ever called, and a big-time crowd. You're, you're playing well, and you're just looking to continue to move forward. And Michigan State came in, and they just played tougher. Illinois did not take advantage of certain situations they were in, in the red zone, on fourth downs, certain third downs, certain penalties. There were just things that Illinois did not capitalize on. There are things that happened to Illinois where normally they get through it, they fight through it, something happens on their side. Michigan State, you have to give Mel Tucker credit, you have to give the players credit, the coaching staff credit to come in to Illinois and Champaign and just play well. Uh, Peyton Thorne, their quarterback for Michigan State, I thought played great besides the first interception he threw outside of that. He played well. It, it took Michigan State's best punch without their players to beat Illinois. So that, that's a small positive that you can take from this game is that Illinois got Michigan State's one of their best punches that they were going to get, and it took all four quarters. A lot of things were said about Illinois after this game. A lot were said during the game. It ultimately came, ultimately came down to just certain uncharacteristic things you started to see from Illinois. Some open field tackling. The running back screens were hurting Illinois because Illinois is very aggressive when it comes to getting after the quarterback. There were times Michigan State's offensive line pass protected well to give Peyton Thorne time, more time than what he thought he was probably going to get. So there was just a lot of confidence coming from Michigan State. There was a lot of um, things that Illinois, again, like I said, were going to get away with. Uh, not necessarily get away with, but they would fight through those things. We, we have to talk about Peyton Thorne. He threw for 182 yards, two touchdowns. He had the very first interception, but then, you know, having 182 passing yards against this Illinois defense, it does pretty well. Berger, their running back, had 81 yards rushing. Uh, Jake Broussard had 13 yards rushing. Peyton Thor chipped in with 10 of his own. So they just did things on offense to continue to move the ball and just keep Illinois. Um, they In the first half, I believe Michigan State probably had the ball longer, but Illinois ended up overall time of possession because they did have a couple long drives they just didn't convert on. Um, again, Illinois was... Only one of six on fourth down. They were six of 17 on third down, which is not the best. But Illinois out did them in yards, 441 yards to 294 yards. 288 through the air from Tommy DeVito compared to the 182 versus Thorne. 153 on the ground versus 112 versus on Michigan State side. Um, 47 rushing attempts for Illinois, averaging 3.3 yards per carry. They had the four. Penalties for 49 yards. We did fumble it, and we did lose it. Chase Brown got popped and fumbled it in a crucial 
drive down the field to try to score. Uh, so on paper, you think Illinois wins this game. But again, Illinois just couldn't convert on third downs. And then having, you know, one for six on fourth down just does not put you in the best position to win the football game. When you rewatch this game, it's just just uncharacteristic things. I thought that the running back screens got to Illinois a few times. There was that one, I think it might have been a touchdown, where Michigan State rolls out one-way stops and throws it back to their running back on the other side because when you play a lot of man defense, and if you can get – when you play man defense, sometimes you'll have a safety over the top to try to help because you don't want a pure cover zero. You know, everybody's cover, everybody has somebody. Sometimes you'll play a cover one, which is man, which you just have a, a safety. But if you play pure cover or pure man, you could get beat off something like that. If you play a cover one, which is man with the one safety, if you get that safety to move and you can get all eyes looking that way and throw it back to the other side, it opens up the running backs a lot. You see that stuff a lot in the NFL. You see that with other college football programs as well. Giving up those type of uncharacteristic plays for Illinois just didn't bold well. Uh, the bad punt we had, that does not help. The wind played a major factor in this as well. And we'll get to what people thought about Coach Bielma and everything else. We're going to get to the injury thing from Michigan State. But just overall, Michigan State just came in and played tough. This is what you like to call an old-fashioned trap game. You know, you used to never say that Michigan State was going to be a trap game. But the way they've been playing, you know, or their record, it isn't quote-unquote trap game because if Illinois won today or won against Michigan State, I believe they'd almost wrap up to be in the Big Ten title. They're still first in the Big Ten West. They've had some help with Iowa winning um, and everything else. You know, Wisconsin did win. Purdue lost to Iowa. So Illinois has beaten a lot of these teams. Um, They have not lost to a Big Ten West opponent yet. They still have to play Purdue, and they still have to play Northwestern. Um, I apologize. I think I might have said something about Michigan State being the Big Ten West, and I did not – I realized that after I thought about it, after my last podcast episode, um, I know they're in the Big Ten East, so this loss doesn't really hurt them, but it helps. Per, per, it would help get them there quicker. So they still have this opportunity to get to the Big Ten title game. They have to beat Purdue next week, and then they can't lose to another trap game in Northwestern at the end of the year. But the this game reminded a lot of us of the Indiana game where you do some things on offense, but you're just not finishing drives. You're, the red zone offense has not been up to where Coach Bielema wants it to be. Uh, they do struggle there now. The 20-yard line technically begins the red zone. It's when they get to the 10 is when they start to struggle scoring. I know this has been addressed by reporters to them. I know the coaches have said they've evaluated it and how they can go and try to score. And a lot of people are blaming Coach Lonnie Jr. on this. People are blaming the offensive line as why they're not scoring. It's probably a mixture of everything, of not execution and play calling because it's a team game, you know, coaches and players alike. So I'm just going to sit here and say, okay, you can just start to blame everybody. But this one, the red zone scoring was suspect. And then not kicking field goals, which a lot of people are complaining about. Um, I thought Tommy DeVito played very well. Um, When you look at his stats, he was 25 of 37, 288 yards, two touchdowns. He averaged 7.8 yards per completion. 
I thought he was throwing the ball pretty well. Isaiah Williams had a game. He had five receptions for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the, you know, both touchdowns were blocked very well for him. Hightower, 34 yards. Ryman, 29 yards. Casey Washington, 27 yards. Luke Ford, 26 yards. Pat Bryan, 24 yards. Chase Brenner, 21 yards. Uh, I'm going to keep going down the list. Uh, Marches had 17 yards. Josh McCray had 12 yards. So what I, why I'm pointing all these out to you is usually an Illinois team doesn't have those type of stats thrown to different receivers. Um, Chase Brown chipped in on his rush game, 33 yards or 33 carries for 136 yards. No touchdown on his longest run was 18 yards. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry. So he, Chase Brown's going to do what he does. He's going to do what he does, but he does need some help. Reggie Love, the third, had 23 yards. Josh McKenna only had four yards. He didn't get a lot of carries. He had three. Reggie Love had five. So McCray just hasn't been himself since he was hurt at the beginning of the year. They keep saying he's fine, but it all depends mentally how you feel, how he's looking in practice, how does he look when he does get the ball. Um, Reggie Love, the third, to me. Josh McCray is probably that big power back next to Chase Brown. Chase Brown can do both. He could be the power back. He could be the speeder back. Reggie Love is very, very fast. Um, if Josh McCray isn't going to start producing for the rest of the year, I think you have to get Love the third more carries. Josh McCray is that. You know when it's third and one, give him the ball. But if he's just confidently not there yet, you got to try to build that up. Give him some carries in the game still. But I think we need to start moving um, Reggie Love the third more over Josh McCray uh, as this goes forward. I thought Tommy DeVito did a great passing the ball. Part of me is like maybe they should have just kept passing the ball more and more. Um, Short intermediate passes were the game. Rollouts were the game for him because they're so worried about Chase Brown. The RPO game for Illinois and the play action was phenomenal. And that's the stuff that's going to continue to open up for the rest of the year for the games that we have versus Purdue and Michigan and Northwestern. They're going to be so laser-focused on the run threat of Chase Brown and the run threat of Tommy DeVito because he can move outside the pocket. He can do zone reads. The, the RPO game, when you the, – the, the the G counter stuff, the GT counter stuff, the GY counter stuff has been huge. The pin and pull stuff has been huge. The wide zones have been huge. So if you could play action that and RPO it, throw it over to your tight ends, um, throw short slants, that was all there for Mich- against Michigan, uh, Michigan State. I think they could have done more of that throughout the game. But I know the identity of this Illinois team must be run and run the ball. You do have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Chase Brown. You're going to get him the football – but I think those are some positives you take away is that Tommy DeVito is still getting better as a passer, and he's over 70%. He's third all in FBS completion percentage. And just when you have a run threat like Chase Brown, you have to get the play action going. You have to get the RPO game going. Um, so overall, just I thought Illinois just gave up on some big opportunities, and Michigan State just came out and played tough. Things that people complained about from Illinois fan perspective is why did we go for on so many fourth downs? Well, you have this good defense. Regardless, they only give up 23 points. But you still have a good defense that Coach Bielma believes in. You do have different corners playing. You were down about your third-string corners playing. That's who, that's when the big touchdown was given up. Uh, Peyton Thorne, you know, he was throwing all over the yard too as well. But you have this confident defense that you have. You can kind of feel the... The ener- you feel the energy on the field. When you're a coach on the field, you feel the energy with your team. You feel the energy with the coaches. And that's where some of your decision-making comes from. All of us that sit at home, even myself, who coaches, it's hard for me to tell 
what kind of feel they have there. What are they seeing that I'm not seeing? And so when they go for it, some fourth downs, you could sit there and question a coach why they're going for it on fourth down. There's times you can't. I know they were on Michigan State's side or your own side, and you decided to go for it. It was that toss play that, you know, you know, we fumbled it a little bit and we ended up getting it back. The play call, suspect. Uh, it could have been there. But why do you go for it? Well, you want to be the aggressor. Um, the one muffed punt or the bad punt that you had with the wind. That I, I think you have to go with that call. Now, some want to know why when we got closer, why they didn't kick the field goal. People tweeting about it. Take the points. Why are you not kicking the field goal? The coaches are the only ones that really understand their kicker. They're the only ones that understand the type of win they were dealing with. I know Michigan State kicked field goal early on, but way down close there. Coach Bima said after the game, he thought if they got to the 18 or 20, they could kick a field goal with the wind. You test it out before anybody gets to the stadium. Then you're testing it out a little more while people are pouring into the stadium to watch. Quit saying that he should have. Yeah, it's easy to say now to say that he should have kicked. They should have kicked the field goals and take points. Well, it would have been 23 to 18. Okay, it would have been 23 21. Because you have to sit here and say that they're going to make them. The wind was awful. Being up in the suburbs on Saturday, the wind was just terrible. Knowing people that live in Champaign Urbana, being the area where I grew up, People talk about how bad the wind was. And only the coaches understand how their kicker can kick with those conditions. We have to understand and stop second-guessing. This is the same thing people started to do with Brad Underwood. They start to second-guess everything because we start winning and then something happens during the game and they're wondering why this is happening. I understand. We want the points. I understand. You're putting yourself in the situation. Maybe you come down and kick a field goal instead of at the end. You're having to come down and try to score a touchdown. We, it's the wind. The wind is crazy for a kicker, especially when it's going sideways. When it's a mixture of sideways and moving forward, and it just keeps swirling like it was up in the suburbs at least, and I'm assuming that's what it was down there. I We, we just can't keep second-guessing those opportunities. The only one for me that you could sit here and say, why did he do that? Well, at the end of the game, you have to go for it because you're trying to score. The one on their own side, yes, I understand maybe a little bit why you're thinking that. They just felt good about it. We have to understand that the field goal kicking with the wind, we have to get over that. We have to be okay with that. I told Illinois fans on the preview versus Michigan State, we have to be okay when things don't go our way. We have to be okay if Miss Michigan State is moving the ball and they're doing this and they're doing that, like with Nebraska, and we can't freak out, we can't start saying things about Coach Walters, we can't start saying things about Coach Bielema, but it started happening anyway. Michigan State, paint th- that was Thorne's one of his best games of this year. And if people don't remember, Michigan State gave other teams their shots and ended up losing. Illinois just didn't just didn't get there. They just didn't do enough to finish it. So we have to be okay with that. The the injuries for Michigan State. I posted this this morning and somebody said, you know, replied to it. And I've talked about this before in a different episode. Fake injuries are a thing. 
it's been talked about where coaches will have guys go down. You you've seen the video before of coaches and they're like, go down, go down, and they go down. They're just standing there looking at the sideline, they're waiting for the defensive call, and they're like, go down, go down, they go down. This isn't the reason why Illinois lost the game, but these are factors that go into it where they shouldn't this shouldn't be a problem or this shouldn't happen. The refs made a bunch of weird decisions. We have the injuries. We had the weird one where Mel Tucker accepted or declined the penalty or accepted the penalty, then he declined it, whichever one it was. When you do that, they accept it. A timeout was called, I think, then all of a sudden he went to the ref and he goes, well, I think this way will benefit from me, so he got to change it. The refs apologized after the game, saying that that shouldn't have happened, but I hate when that happens because then you know that it shouldn't have happened. The non-pass interference call, I believe on Isaiah Williams, where the guy's literally hugging him at the front and he's trying to dive the ball this way and the guy's holding him and this, that wasn't called. Um, the very end of the game when we're trying to move down the field we throw the ball and it shows that we caught the ball, then fell out of bounds. Well, the clock should have stopped because if we were, he just said we were in bounds, clock keeps going, but you caught the ball in bounds, then you're out of bounds. Clock should stop. That was a horrible call. The fake injury thing, Coach Bielma said after the game, he goes, they set a record number of injuries for guys to come back. This is a real thing that I've talked about before, where guys will go down when another team starts moving the ball, either whether because they're up-tempo, whether because they're completing this pass, cleaning this pass, or moving the ball down the field, all of a sudden they'll just go down, it stops everything, you get to regroup. It stops whatever rhythm or momentum that was going on. And you hate to say that all injuries are fake. You hate to sit here and say those things. And that's why I tweeted that. I tweeted how you should fix this. I tweeted that because this is just the only way I could think of to fix it. If a guy goes down, he should be out the rest of that series. So if you're a defensive player, and this is where it comes tricky. Do you do it on offensive player goes down and do this or just on defense? But if you're looking at it from just a defensive side, let's say your interior nose guard goes down. He should stay out the rest of that series. Or there's two ways to go about it. He stays out the rest of that series. So the whole time the defense is on the field, until the other team punts or scores, he has to stay out. Or he stays down to the next down. Or like when next time there's a first down. So if it's first and ten, they run the ball and they get three yards and it's second and seven and your guy goes down, he's out. If it was Illinois, Illinois comes out and throws a pass, they get a first down, he can come back in. That one might be too hard to keep track of, but you could just say he can't come back. And I posted that, and I had somebody reply saying, well, that's not fair because, you know, what if a guy just cramps? Or what if the rule is you give him three plays, the FPL for three plays? Again, to me, that, that may be too much to keep track of. Because guys will go down, you saw Michigan State, guys would go down, they go out for a play or two, and then they come right back. Or they go out and they come right back. It slows it down. You've seen you know, Lane Kiffin talk about it you, with Texas A&M stuff. This has got to be addressed. And this something has to be figured out where, and it sucks, because probably more often than not, guys do have cramps. More often than not, something just doesn't feel right and they go down. Something doesn't feel right or they actually are hurt and it sucks. But like most things in life, one bad apple ruins the bunch. So that one bad apple ruined the rest of the apples and ruined everything. 
one decision for a person ruins it all. That, you know, when one person does this, it ruins it, it for everybody. So sorry about you. Things have got to be addressed by this where I'm sorry, he is actually injured and I get it or something actually happened and I get it, but he can't come back for the series. Not the whole game, not the quarter, but while that defensive series is going on, he can't go back in. And so now you have your star guy go down. Your other guy comes in for a play, and then you put your star player back in. Well, now you got to live with your backup in. Now there's ways around it. They're going to put their backups in. Say, now you go down, and your star player comes in. There's going to be those type of things. But this is the only way I could see where he goes down. Uh, this guy has to sit out for the rest of the series. You can't give him a flag for being hurt. You can't do any of those type of things. But you could say, you know, number 80 went down, he cannot come back in until the next time they are on defense. And you could start to see maybe when they're doing that where maybe their star guy is out and their backup is in the beginning of the series. It's already in your head like, okay, they might do a fake injury. We got to be prepared for that. Uh, when you see them sub, you got to be thinking, okay, but they got to be ready for this. You know, when you start to see things and you're watching film on characteristic of their subbing, that's the only way I can see to fix it. And it sucks because guys will actually be hurt, but someone ruined it for the rest. Some ruin it for the rest. So this is the only way I could see to fix it because Michigan State did do it suspectly. It was a little weird. Um, you know, people on the – even on your announcers wanted to say it was because, oh, their their depth has gone because of these suspensions and everything and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, it was, it was said. It needs to be addressed. This has got to change because it's happening not just for Illinois. It's happening all over. Then people this morning, for Illinois fans, wanted to come out and start going after Coach Bielema, talking about his coaching ability. They're talking about Coach Lonnie Jr. People are going after Coach Bielema's weight, saying he's the biggest coach to lose this and do this and do that. Illinois fans, again, take a seat. Remember where we came from. I know we were in a bowl game in 2019. But we all know that team could not beat this team we got going right now. We have to understand this is not a yearly thing or hasn't been yet. Coach Bielma wants it to be that way. We have to understand. Quit going after these coaches and talking about their the way they do it. Because one, could you do it? No, probably not. Could I do it? No, probably not. Quit going after these coaches we have to know where we are and where we came from. Coach Bielma and, and staff probably thinking they're right on schedule. As a fan from the outside looking in, it almost feels like we're ahead of schedule. Going 5-7 and seven last year, we're a handful plays away from winning six games and going to a bowl game. We are still in a position to get to the Big Ten title game. But I am tired of seeing saying this team cannot handle expectations. What in the hell were the expectations coming into this season? For this team that we are on the outside of, expectations for them to win and compete to win the, the Big Ten. That is them. From the fan base, did any of the fans sit here and say they were going to the Big Ten title? I'm sure some did, but I know some of the people that said this stuff. And I know people out there thought they were going to win four to six games, and we're already at seven. 
Because that's what the over-under was, was like three or four games or whatever it was. Illinois was so far under the radar. Well, now that we're on the radar, people are saying this team can't handle expectations. The expectation was they get better each week. The expectation is they finish games. So if you go by that route, yeah, they didn't meet the expectation for this game because they didn't do the things they normally do to win the game. We got to enjoy it right now. We're in a position Illinois hasn't been in. They were ranked in the college football playoff for the first time. They were, you know, 15th in the nation, 14th in the nation. They're first in the Big Ten West. They're still in a spot to get to the Big Ten title game. We have to take it week by week. Maybe some of the players in Illinois' team looked ahead a little bit. Maybe they're so used to, to, to things happening where something goes bad, but then something good happens, and that's what they are waiting on in the Michigan State game. Maybe this is a good thing for a wake-up call for them to say, now we take it. Now we understand. Now we can go take it from Purdue. We can take it from Northwestern. We can go try to take it from Michigan. But as fans, we have to understand. We have to quit going after Brad Underwood in basketball. We have to quit going after Coach Bielema and staff. Who do we think we are that we have the right to sit here and complain about this, complain about that? We're not right now Ohio State program. We're not an Alabama program. We're not a Clemson program. We're some of the things that are being said. We have the right to say. We have to sit here and say we trust Coach Bielema and we trust the staff. Because remember, they're still coaching Coach Lovey Smith's recruits. He has some of Coach Bielma has some of his players in there. He has some transfer portal guys in there. But he's they're still developing some of Coach Smith, Lovey Smith's guys that he brought in, and they're doing a hell of a job with it. We have to continue to trust the process, and we can't sit here and question every little itsy bitsy thing about it, and then the next morning say X, Y, and Z about Coach Bielma, and then go after the guy's weight, like grow up. Unless it's the governor of Illinois, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. But because he's in his fourth year and we have whatever. But if this was Coach B almost like eighth year and these are the type of things that are still going on, I'm sure he'd be one of the first to tell you, yeah, we're not doing our job, we're not getting it done. But we have to understand where we come from. We have to understand that we don't have the right to question and go after and say some of these things. We're going to be okay. This was probably almost a good thing. Yeah, I wish we beat Indiana. I wish we beat Michigan State. But to try to find the positive out of it is, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this is a wake-up call. Because Illinois sometimes can't stretch the field vertically. They don't always have that guy. Sometimes it works because they get the short passing game going, opens up something deep. Michigan State didn't bite on a lot. On, they, didn't let, they let things stay in front. We didn't. They didn't let us get beat deep. But eventually it's going to happen. People want to blame the O-line. Said the O-line play bad. We're turning into Bears fans. I'm a Bears fan. We're turning into that. I thought the O-line played fine. Yeah, they'll probably tell you they should have sustained blocks a little longer. People want to complain about uh, it was one of the fourth and ones where they were like, oh, they didn't get to the second level. Well, when it's fourth and one, they're going to stack on a scrimmage. What do you want them to do? How are they supposed to block everybody? It's those things that start rolling out when things don't go well. The O-line's been great this year. But you can't put the whole blame on them. Receivers drop passes. They don't run routes hard. Sometimes DeVito misses them. Even Chase Brown makes mistakes. So these things that were starting to happen, we can't sit here and start complaining about everything for Illinois. We have to enjoy this ride. It was a tough loss versus Michigan State, but there's you know special teams didn't look good for Illinois. 
things given up on defense were uncharacteristic. Things that they do give up on defense, they were able to battle back from. They didn't battle back from this time. Things on offense, play calling sometimes was suspect, but also execution was suspect. Everybody's going to take the blame. And then things happen outside of our control. Uh, the injury things got to be looked at, some of the calls from the refs. But this is a wake-up call where it's a trap game, you lose, but it did not kick us out of the possibility and the realm of possibility of getting to the Big Ten title. So Illinois fans, it's going to be okay. We have to enjoy the ride. We have to enjoy where we're going. We have to trust the process. Like most programs where they get a head coach, we have to enjoy this. It's going. We have a tough one coming up for Purdue. I'm trusting that this is a wake-up call where they, if they did look forward, they're not going to anymore. It's going to be okay. But this was a very tough loss, hard run to swallow, just like the Indiana game. This one almost worse um, just because you just felt like there were things they could have done to win. But Illinois is a couple plays away from being undefeated. They're a couple plays away of being um, – Eight and one, but they're not. They're going to sit there at seven and two, and it does not get any easier. Um, at the time of my recording, I think they're they're still going to be ranked. I just don't know where. They have a tough one against Purdue, Michigan, and Northwestern. Uh, so it's it's not over yet. We still have some time. We still have some things to get to the Big Ten title game. It's going to be okay. We have those opportunities still. As of as of Sunday morning, we still have the number one scoring defense and a bunch of statistics. So that's still intact. Um, I think the passing game, you're going to see it more and more because Tommy DeVito looked great. So just those type of things. Um, we'll get into a Purdue preview later on in the week. Um, but that wraps up this episode. Illinois fans, stick to the course. It's going to be fine. Um, thank you guys again for watching and listening. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me at Coach underscore Steve 72. Check out the Belly Up Media Network at bellyupsports.com for this podcast and other podcasts and other blogs and everything there, all sports-related and non-sports-related. Um... So check out all, all the other affiliates in the description below as well. Leave a comment in the comment section down below. Thank you guys for watching or listening, and we will see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.